Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M.A. Box. Chapter 16 Wonderful months had passed for Charlie. Charlie and Linda continued to date, and she brought a brightness and happiness into his life. He didn't work as many hours because he would prefer to spend time with her. He also wasn't grouchy and stuck in the monotony and sadness of his job, which helped him to be even more successful in the cases that he was working. He had moved on from the Sterling case, working other cases that had been turned into him. In fact, it had been a couple of months since he had last thought about the case that he had closed as an accidental drowning. He and Linda had come to many conclusions about what could have happened to Leslie, and he felt content with the solutions that they had come up with. He really thought that something medical had taken place and that she really had accidentally drowned in the bathtub that night. It was a cold night in December, and Charlie was lying asleep in his bed with Linda by his side. They spent most nights together, either at his place or hers, and were talking about moving into his home together permanently. He loved the smell of her shampoo on the pillows each night, and he couldn't imagine what it would be like without her. He stirred and turned to tuck his arm around her small body. He could feel the heat radiating from it. He tucked his arm around, making her stir, just as his cell phone buzzed on the nightstand. Charlie turned to look at the clock, which read 4.30. He swore under his breath and turned to grab the phone. He answered it in a gravelly voice, but was brought abruptly awake when the receptionist of the police department, on the other end of the line, told him that she had some breaking news in the Sterling drowning case. He sat on the side of his bed and put his feet to the cold floor, shaking the left one as it tingled asleep. "'What do you have?' Charlie asked. "'Well, the husband, Derek, just arrived here at the police station and admitted to intentionally drowning her. I put him back in an interview room and closed the door. Nobody has been in there to talk to him, but Officer Jensen is sitting in the observatory room watching him. "'We are waiting for you to get here,' she said. "'No shit. Seriously. He just admitted to killing his own wife?' I'll be right there. Don't let him go anywhere. Charlie hung up the phone and turned to Linda, who was now sitting up in bed with a concerned look on her face. Derek Sterling just admitted to drowning his wife, and all this time we thought she really had a medical issue that we couldn't find. I have to get down there to interview him, Charlie told Linda. He quickly moved to the shower, not waiting to discuss the situation anymore, and wanting to get down to the station as quickly as possible. He dressed after a shower in a gray suit and red tie and quickly left the house, giving Linda a quick kiss on her cheek and telling her he would call her as soon as he could. He got into his car in the driveway and started it up. It was colder than it had been for the last couple of nights, so he turned on the heater. His knuckles were white on the steering wheel as he anxiously drove toward the station. A number of questions ran through his mind. What would he ask? How did it come to this? And what did he miss? Charlie pulled up to the station and had opened up his car door before the car was even in park. He was full of adrenaline, and his heart was beating hard within his chest. He went up the steps two at a time and went through the doors. The anticipation in his face he knew was very noticeable as the receptionist asked if he was okay. He smiled and quickly moved past her to the office. He opened up an old filing cabinet and went to the file that he had saved for Derek Sterling and pulled it out. On the front of the file, stamped in red, it said, "'Closed.' Charlie wished he could erase that so Derek would think Charlie had never given up. Charlie walked to the interview room and took a deep breath before opening the big metal door. He walked into a small room with a large window on one side that looked like a mirror and nothing else on any of the other walls. The walls were cement and painted with a gray-colored paint. There was a small metal table in the middle of the room that was bolted to the floor and two metal fold-up chairs. Derek sat with his hands in his lap and his eyes to the floor. His eyes had dark circles under them and he looked like he hadn't slept in weeks. 
His hair was messy and he was wearing a t-shirt and jeans that appeared to be recently washed but rolled in a ball, not folded or ironed, and then pulled on to wear. Derek had a hopeless look about him and Charlie couldn't help but feel sorry for him. Charlie sat across from Derek at the table and placed the file in front of him, making sure to put the case clothes stamp on the bottom so Derek couldn't see it. Oftentimes, detectives use a big case file to sit in front of them when they interview because it is intimidating and makes the person think that they have all the information. However, Charlie didn't feel that he even needed the file on this one. Do you need a drink or anything, Charlie asked, but Derek just shook his head and no in response. Charlie couldn't help but think this was going to turn into a really long day. He started the interview by reading the Miranda warning that he was required by law to read. He asked Derek if he wanted to talk to him and Derek said that he did. Charlie then began to ask questions. So tell me, Derek, why are you here today? Charlie asked, preparing to take notes on a yellow pad of paper. Derek responded quietly. I'm here to confess to drowning my wife, Leslie. His voice cracked and Charlie could see the fear and sadness in his eyes. Okay, tell me what happened that night, Derek. Derek knew that if he told the detective that in a dream he had accidentally drowned her, that they may say he was not responsible for his actions. We had been fighting. We were struggling over money and I was going to my parents' house to ask them if I could borrow some. She liked to shop, but we couldn't afford it anymore and I didn't have a steady job. I went to my parents to ask, but when I got there, I just couldn't find the right time. So I came home and when I told her that I didn't ask, she freaked out on me. We started fighting and then she just started ignoring me. She started getting into the tub, and I don't know what happened. I just pushed her and held her under. Okay, then what happened next? Well, I held her under, and she stopped moving. When I finally realized what I was really doing to her and let her go, she was already gone. I didn't know what to do. I thought about it for a couple of minutes, and then decided my best bet was to call the ambulance. Maybe they could save her, so I did. But they came, and they couldn't do anything, and then you came, and here we are. Was she getting into the bathtub when you held her under? Yes, she had just stepped over and was going to lay down. So she was already on her stomach when you started holding her under. Yes, she was. Her head wasn't under, but she was on her stomach. I really can't remember all of the details. She was just getting in, and I pushed her under and held her there. Did she resist? I think so, but I really don't remember all of the details. When I realized what I was really doing to her, I stopped, but it was just too late. Did she hit her head on anything when you pushed her under? I don't remember, but I don't think she did. Maybe on the bottom a little bit, but I don't know. Was the water still running? Yes, I think it was. Did you turn off the water? No, I don't think so. I just left and called the ambulance. Why didn't you tell me about this earlier? I couldn't, and you didn't ask me that night. Although, I don't know that I would have told you anyway. I don't know. I didn't know what I would do with my boys. Everyone would be so disappointed. Charlie made a mental note that in the future, no matter what, he would always ask some kind of leading question. It wouldn't be, did you kill your wife? But it would be something more casual. Why did you come forward now? Charlie asked. The guilt is killing me and I just can't take it anymore. I can't sleep or eat and I just can't be this kind of example to my boys. I want to take responsibility for my actions and pay the consequences. Do you know what those consequences might be? Not really, probably gel or something, but no matter what, I have to do this. I recommend that you get an attorney, Derek. The courts can provide it if you can't pay for one. I would suggest that. Okay, that'll be fine, whatever I need to do. Have you ever done anything like this before, Derek? No, absolutely not. This is the only time. I didn't know what I was doing. It just happened in the moment. I was so mad and I just didn't want to fight anymore. 
Have you ever hurt Leslie in any other way in the past? No, I haven't. We've had our share of fights, but this is the first time I have ever hurt her, I promise. Have you made arrangements for your kids? Yes, well, kind of. My parents are in town, and I left them a note, but they will take good care of them. Better than I was doing, that is for sure. Have you ever hurt either of your children, Derek? No, never. I have always been very good to them. I just can't live with this guilt, and this isn't fair to them. Okay, well, Derek, I think you have had a really long night. There are a lot more questions that I have to ask you, but for tonight, let's get you over to the jail, where you will stay for a while and get some rest. We can go from there, okay? Okay, whatever I need to do. Hang tight and I will have an officer come in that will take you over to the jail. Get some sleep and we'll talk tomorrow. I'm sure you will have a preliminary hearing soon so you can get an attorney. In the meantime, don't talk to people about the case. That is only going to hurt you, okay? Okay, thanks, Detective, Derek replied. Charlie left the room and closed the big metal door behind him lightly. He couldn't believe what was happening. Derek was so open to discussing the situation, Charlie couldn't help but be nice to him. He really seemed like a nice guy. Charlie had to remember that he was a cold-blooded killer and he would have to provide justice. Charlie went to the front desk and asked her to get an officer to take him to the jail in a nearby city. She paged someone over the walkie system and said an officer would be there soon. Charlie returned to his office to collect his thoughts and his notes. He couldn't imagine that he would need anything more than the statement that Derek had just given him. He admitted to killing his wife and knew all of the details of how it would have been done. Charlie didn't even think there would be any more questions to ask. He knew a psychologist would definitely be called in on this one, and Charlie hoped that they would get Derek some help, especially after his trial. Charlie couldn't help but still feel that there was something missing in the case. Derek seemed to be such a nice guy. Charlie knew that often came back to bite him, but he also thought he was pretty good at reading people, and he saw Derek as someone who really needed help more than a tough sentence. The officer had arrived shortly after the call and had already taken Derek to jail when Charlie decided to leave and go back home. The day was just starting and people were now arriving to work as Charlie went the opposite direction. He could really use a nap and a sounding board. He called Linda to see where she was and luckily she was still home. Charlie knew he would need to get back soon to call and make arrangements for the trial and to give his information to the district attorney, but for now, he just wanted to go home. He pulled into the driveway of his house, feeling relieved to be there. He really thought having Derek confess was going to put him at ease. Instead, it seemed to increase his agitation and not quite getting the case right. He walked through the front door of his house, which now was much cleaner and brighter, to see Linda making coffee in the kitchen. She smiled as he came through the door. "'Good morning. How was your night?' she asked. She was wearing a grey-coloured pantsuit with pinstripes and a pink tank top underneath with a strip of lace at the top. Charlie's mind started to wander, wondering what she would look like with just her heels and that lace tank top on. It took him a minute, but he refocused on the moment. Charlie responded, "'Good, I guess. I still don't quite know what is going on.' But Derek Sterling says that he intentionally drowned his wife in the bathtub. Well, that should make you happy. You have been worried about that for a long time. I know, but for some reason there still seems to be something missing. Maybe it is because I just came to the understanding that she probably had something wrong with her. So, to be twisted back to this is screwing me up. He kissed her on the cheek and grabbed for her coffee. I don't know why anyone would ever admit to killing someone if they didn't. You worry too much. I know, I know, Charlie said, wrapping his arms around Linda and giving her a big kiss on her cheek. Well, this working woman has to go. I will see you later tonight. Great job closing the case, detective. She reached in and gave him a kiss on the lips. She tapped his butt on the way out of the kitchen, grabbed her coffee in her bag, and winked at him as she walked out the front door. Charlie smiled. 
That woman drove him wild sometimes. He couldn't wait until he got home tonight to spend some valuable time with her. He went into the bedroom and laid down for a nap, dreaming of Linda the entire time. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps.